Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. This show is brought to you by our friends at Tattersalls, and we're taking a look at these big three turf races happening at Woodbine today. Grade one action, Breeders' Cup, win and you're in action. And very excited to have joining me, Peter Thomas Fornatel, on the road in Toronto, a representative from Tattersalls, Chloe Pitts. Chloe, how are things? Good morning, Pete. Well, good afternoon for me because I am in the UK, so it's a slightly slightly later start for me than for you, but um, all very good here. Thank you very much for having me. Crazy time of year for you, I imagine. This big sale, it's really gone up in, it's always been incredibly important, but in terms of the American audience and American buyers especially, really taking a, a giant place among the big sales of the world you're looking forward to some American participation this time around? We definitely are. It's, it is entering our, I guess, what we call silly season. It kind of goes, uh, starts in about October and we don't really see our friends or families for <laughs> the next two months. We've got um, our October yearling sales starting on the 3rd. So that's two weeks to go. For me, it's kind of a countdown every year. It gets, uh, the buildup gets more and more exciting. And yeah, I think in America, we've just had, as you said, a pretty extraordinary run of success in, in recent years. I think since 2020, we've had something like 12 individual grade one winners um, on the turf, which when you think of the number of horses um, coming over, it's a pretty extraordinary strike rate. Um, and that's just led to, to more and more, uh, more and more interest, you know, new people joining every year, getting on that plane and coming over. Um, so yeah, I think we will have we'll have some great American participation this year, and um, yeah, hopefully the runners on the track will will sort of show why they keep coming back. That's right. Well, we've seen the expansion of turf racing and a lot more purse money allocated to turf racing, and I think that's a big a big part of it. I'm I'm really interested to see what the effects are going to be on the American breed as a whole as we're bringing in more of these bloodlines from from Europe. And, you know, crossing with some of our American pedigrees. And I'm hoping it's the kind of thing where it's just going to have this lifting effect on the breed in the USA, rewarding more, uh, more obviously turf runners, but also just generally some of the things that go along with that, like uh, a little bit more in terms of, of stamina and, and hopefully the ability to make some more starts in a shorter amount of time. But you can see with all the money being awarded to turf races, why the Tattersall sale in particular would be one that a lot of top American buyers are wanting to, are wanting to participate in. Yeah, absolutely. Turf racing is just, it has um, gone from sort of strength to strength in, in the US in recent years, as your you and your listeners would know far better than I did. I actually did a, a brief project um, once, a sort of statistical look at uh, the number of turf races that were carded in the US at, at various courses and and sort of how many of them were stakes races, etc. And it was quite staggering to me, actually, how how much it's grown and how much it's continuing to grow. Um, and, and as you said, turf is what we do over here I'd say turf racing I, I might be slightly biased but European turf racing is still the best in the world we have um, you know the creme de la creme of the pedigrees they are the best turf bred yearlings in the world um, and uh, the sort of the elite of the European yearling crop is what we um, what we sell at Tassel's book one so um, it really it, it's it's a, it's an interesting mixture, as you said, of what um, what sort of complements turf and dirt together, whether they are 
entirely separate surfaces or, or whether um, whether horses can act on the two. I used to have some real sort of heroes in the past of horses that used to used to be able to do both, which was always um, you know, it's amazing how, how common it used to be to run those very good dirt horses on turf and vice versa and how that's very much fallen out of fashion. But those influences, as you said, of, of stamina and I think something particular in Europe, that that turn of foot, that ability to quicken up, which is very much um, a feature of our races that we don't go as fast from the gates as, as you guys do. But we have that sort of remarkable moment mid race towards the end where those horses really do get asked to quicken up and, and that sort of turn of foot. I think is something that you see um, being used to great effect by those horses that are either bought in and uh, bought in the UK to go out to the US or that come to race out there. Um, and I think that that as an influence will be, um, you know, will be a great one for um, for any um, any breed that um, you're looking to sort of add in that that speed and that um, that adaptability. I think it's a great point. We've got a great place to start talking with having had a quick look at the book coming up for Tattersalls and knowing also that the three races today are Breeders' Cup winning your in races, some very interesting pedigree tie-ins coming up at the, in the Tattersalls sale with, with the Breeders' Cup specifically. Give us, a, give us the lowdown on a couple of those. Absolutely. Well, um, every year it comes to catalogue publication time and it might be a bit tragic, but it's like Christmas Day for me. I'm always so excited to open it and, and see the stars because it really is an extraordinary collection of um, you know some of the, the best turf pedigrees in the world. And, um, you know, we're in a real golden era, I'd say, in, in Europe in terms of the sires that we have. We've got, you know, Dubawi and Frankel, Kingman and Lope de Vega. Um, sires like that that are just having extraordinary success um, in Europe and and in the States. So um, yeah, this year we've got some really got some really exciting lots catalogued. As you said, there's some really nice links to the Breeders' Cup. Um, we've got um, some siblings to stars like Aunt Pearl, her full brother by Luke de Vega. She obviously was a, a super impressive winner of um, the Juvenile Phillies Turf. We've got um, Uni was one of the, you know, the really exceptional turf fillies of recent years. Um, there's a Sotsass half-brother um, to, to Uni catalogued. And um, apparently a very, very exceptional Kingman cult out of... Um, I'm trying to remember the year that she won it. I don't think it was that that uh, long ago, but Queen's Trust, who won the Breeders' Cup for in there's turf. Um, 16 or 17 at Santa Anita. I can see the Cheveley Park colours making that move. Absolutely. I was going to say it was a very, very memorable race in itself. And she was, yeah, she was a really exceptional turf filly herself. So, so yeah, some very, some really nice Breeders' Cup linked pedigrees in there. And as I said, by um, by a really exciting collection of established sires and some some younger sires who are kind of following hot on their footsteps. We've got um, you know the likes of Two Darn Hot making making great waves in um, in Europe at the moment with his first crop and you know great representation by him and some other sort of first season sires um, like uh, you know, Gaeth and Pinatubo who um, were sort of really exceptional racehorses themselves. Pinatubo actually has a, a half sister to uh, the Saratoga Derby or Derby, sorry, winner um, program trading catalogue. So yeah, there's some really nice American Lincolns and hopefully that will mean a lot of American interest. 
Yeah, and there's there's no doubt about it. I mean, racing fans, you know, p- people who follow the industry follow this sale. There's no uh, there's no two ways about it, and it does sound like there's plenty of interesting ones. I know we have to, uh, we're going to get to this race later, but I also did want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about uh, a runner. I know you and I are very excited about running later in the form of Osara. Uh, I was actually when I looked at the race cards for um, for Woodbine, I thought. You, can't, you honestly couldn't have a better representative um, than, than Azara in terms of what, uh, you know, what that link in with the Breeders' Cup is. She is um, by Lope de Vega. Um, and she, so Lope de Vega is the sire of two of basically our, our Breeders' Cup poster girls of recent years, oh. which is Aunt Pearl and Newspaper of Record, who really did um, fly the flag for Tassel so, so brilliantly at the Breeders' Cup. Um, she, uh, Zara, was bought for, for 350,000 guineas herself at, um, at book one last year by Mike Ryan. She's, uh, as I said, by Lake de Vega out of a mare called Circular Door, um, who was a sister to um, Golden Horn, who was one of the great, um, you know, great champions in the UK of the last last 10 years, won, won the Derby, won the Arc, was just a very brilliant racehorse. So she's, she's a great illustration of sort of the archetype of, of those pedigrees that are that are on offer in Europe and obviously that have come over and um, and done so well. She's not quite um, following followed in the footsteps yet of her of, of those two, but she seems to be very much on track to do so. So you'd hope that um, you'd hope she might might be following them down that that path if she runs well today. Early days yet yet and we'll yeah we'll talk more. She, I I before even beyond the pedigree i think there's some really interesting reasons to uh to latch on to to latch on to Osara in that spot talked about that in the other show we did with uh jeff bratt from woodbine as as a horse that i'm extremely interested in in there and yeah i mean golden horn boy i was lucky enough to be there for his arc that was a year we the, the family were over we were over staying in england and made the trip to paris for arc weekend and followed with great interest and made a pretty decent run running second in the Breeders' Cup turf that year to found. It's, it's uh, yeah, that's a heck of a family. And it's going to be interesting to see what, uh, what she's capable of in, in the Natalma. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, but let's go to the, the grade one summer to start things off. We've got these two-year-olds going a mile and not a ton of obvious pedigree crossover questions for me to ask you in this race. But I will ask you this. We have this interesting instance, which you've certainly uh, seen over there, um, early season especially, I'm sure this comes up, where you've got a horse that you're rating on synthetic performances. In this case, my boy Prince, who has these very impressive margins of victory <clears throat> and speed figures on synthetic, making the uh, the transition or attempting to make the transition into much deeper company and running a mile on turf. My inclination is to try to get creative and bring in something at what I think is going to be a, a much more significant price but what do you think about that idea in general how do you evaluate a synthetic runner moving on to the turf i think it's a really interesting point and i i my expertise i suppose in this area would come from uh, from europe so you'll have to tell me if um you consider the dynamics slightly different in the u.s but but in the uk a, a lot of the horses well 99 percent of the horses are training every day on the synthetic surface and then um, they will make their start that, you know, they might do some pieces of work on the turf, but, um, you know, they aren't 
they aren't um, necessarily as as used to um, to going that speed on the turf um, until they hit the race course. So it's almost the opposite in that way for my boy Prince. Um, I do think they are a different surface. I think synthetic. Um, there, there's there's still plenty of horses in the UK that you would say don't act on the synthetic. Uh, or don't act on on the turf. There are real specialists on on both, and I think it's one of those things that it's very hard to predict. Trainers, um, you know, will have have an idea, and they can they probably um, you know will be the best judge of whether the horse will. But I think they still have the capacity to surprise you. Those that you think will um, will act on it can suddenly just just find that under their feet when they go from the gates and think, what on earth is this? Um, so, right. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I do think I, I wish there was a, a magic formula to work out those that will and won't. Um, I think pedigree wise, it does seem that um, that that does have Cairo Prince. I think you said seems to have um, a sort of an affinity for for the turf as well. As the dirt so you would hope that that that's a fairly um encouraging encouraging um, part of his pedigree but it's certainly going to be something that that you'll only really know when he when he hits those gates it's the key question i think in this race and for me i guess it's if it's if it was just the surface question and i was convinced about um how my boy prince was going to class up with these i might be more willing to go with it but i feel like the dual question of coming from restricted company and the other surface onto the grade one company on the turf, that makes me want to look at something at a bigger price. And I keep coming back to the to the nine runner in here, Busich uh, by Spitestown out of an Uncle Mo mare. And I just, watching that race back, it just looked like a case of a horse that was uh, compromised by the pace that day. There just wasn't much speed. I think there's a lot more speed signed on in here. And I like the fact that he was going best at the line, suggesting that even though that was six and a half, that the mile might be within his reach. That was that was the, who I thought might be the interesting horse in this race. It's tricky also because we've got all these cross entries and we don't have scratches yet at this time. It did The rumors I was hearing did make it sound like Irosa was going to go in the Phillies race. Um, she's one that makes a ton of sense in here, but uh, just curious if you had any thoughts uh, on any of these, you know, obviously we don't have much European blood in here, but curious if you had any thoughts on any of these pedigrees or an idea of what you might think might happen in the summer before we pivot to the Natalma where we'll camp out for a bit. Well, I, I like your point very much about um, about inexperience versus experience. I think uh, we have a slightly different program for our two-year-olds um, in Europe, which means that you know by June at Royal Ascot, we've got the start of our graded stakes racing. And so we probably do tend to have a much better idea of the pecking order amongst our juveniles by this time of year. Whereas it seems like in the States, your program starts quite a lot later. You still do have some very unexposed horses coming into this that, you know, that will be be grade one winners or graded stakes winners in the future. But um, they are coming up against horses, as you say, that have that little bit more experience, might look a bit, are a bit more exposed and, and, and maybe not don't have that potential brilliance but um you know it's an interesting mixture of horses that are, are coming through the ranks and those that have made one start and coming in here um i do agree i think that um i would be sort of finding something to take on the favorite there's plenty um plenty of alternatives as you said and i think the pace angle will probably be an interesting one in this race you said that um you weren't sure how much speed there was going to be in the race have you had any further thoughts on that 
Yeah, I think the, I think the pace will heat up. I think my boy Prince is going to be out there, and I think that based on how that horse is going to get bet, based on the speed figures, I'm pretty sure the other jocks are not going to want to let my boy Prince go. So I would think you'll see, you know, and again, we'll have to see exactly who shows up here and who runs in the other race. But, I mean, I would think a Bolt Ennery will be forward, a horse like King of the Track coming from that outside draw, I think would very likely be forward. So I'm hoping it's going to be an honest pace that gives these late runners like Busich a chance to show their stuff in the lane. And then the other the other notable thing about this course with the turf course being on the outside, uh, you know, closest to the stand, it is a more galloping configuration. You know, I feel like I'm more interested in a, a runner to sort of hug the turns and, and show speed around that inner turf course, whereas around this outer, it does tend to give uh, closers a little bit fairer of a go at things. And that might just bring in a runner like uh, like Busich. And then the other sort of obvious one in that regard is Carson's run, I think, has already been proven to be competitive at stakes level with that run in the with anticipation. And I also love, and this is something that, you know, comes up in, in your guys' racing too, with proven they can go this far. You know, if you, it has actually gone farther with a mile and a 16th. Now, granted, a two-turn mile and a 16th is different than a one-turn mile, but I would still be surprised if a horse like Carson's run couldn't get home. I, I'm hoping I'm hoping we're going to see the two and the nine making moves in the stretch and and maybe uh, try to start off some, some wagering that way, and, and hopefully at decent prices if my boy Prince does, in fact, take all the money. Well, sounds like an exciting race. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Let's pivot to the Natalma. We go two races ahead, and uh, we look at these these fillies. We've got the the big full field of fifteen signed up for this one, and I think you and I are we're circling around the same horse. So let's talk about her some more in the form of uh, in the form of Asara. This was just a really professional effort in Saratoga on debut. There was a nice pace in front of her to set up that late run ends up getting up by a neck. Not much was expected that day either 12 to one, you know, that's in part because it's Saratoga and there's a lot of fancied runners going, but that also tells me, you know, when you see a patient trainer like Clement have one, that's not so bad on debut and then goes right up into grade one company. I think you can, pretty much surmise that a step forward is on offer. We've talked a little bit about the pedigree already. Uh, and then the other thing I love is that you look at a pace map of this race, and I think Ozara on debut showed enough speed to be positioned maybe mid-pack, not not going to get too far back, but has that closing kick, I think, to hopefully uh, go by them all. This is a race where I think if Bolt Ennery goes in this one, that'll be your clear pace setter, giving a runner like Osara plenty to run at. I'm hoping this guess, morning line guess of 10 to 1 is right, because I, I think we may have a very nice bet here. Absolutely. Um, I was lucky enough to be um, at Saratoga when she made her debut on the Whitney weekend. And while she did go off at a price, I think it's unfair to say that it was sort of an unexpected victory. I think her connections always, always liked her. And actually, my my boss made uh, had a had a great bet on her and, and didn't tell me until after he collected his winnings. So that wasn't popular with me. But she was um, I was super impressed with her at Saratoga. I thought she had to be very brave to take the gap that she did on on, you know, as a debutante. And she quickened up really nicely to get to the front. And um 
the second was obviously a sort of a fairly well-regarded horse and won next time out. And I think she turned her back pretty comfortably. I don't think she looked like she was getting past any time soon. Um, as you said, it it is a real step up. She's being thrown in at the deep end to, to run in a grade one on her second start. But it's something her trainer you know has done before and has done before with a good filly. So um, I would would expect that if he's um, you know he seems like he's had this planned out from her for her sort of since then. So um, you would expect that um, that you know she, he's going in there full of confidence and and we're going in full of hope certainly at our end anyway. You had a good weekend that weekend. There were a few Tattersalls grads winning, as I as you know, I recall. It was rather extraordinary. I think it's. I assume it's not like that all the time, but it's, I think in the space of four days that we were there, there were um, three individual graded or stakes winners that had been sold at um, book one. So either either the Tattersalls representatives are the lucky charm when we come into town, or they really are that good. We had um, technical analysis who won the Della Rose McCulloch. Uh, won the the Glens Ball and then program trading capped it off in the Saratoga Derby, so it really was it was a great couple of days for for us and yeah I think they were I think we looked at the average purchase price and they were something like two hundred eighty five thousand dollars average across the three so they they were a great illustration of um, you know what's on offer. Yeah, value for money for sure, and and you see top level and very much known for being shrewd connections in business and in, in horse racing in the form of, a, of somebody like Seth Klarman having his uh, representatives do a very, very good job over there helping along. How does that work with American owners who want to, to go over? Do you and or a, a company like GBRI help them try to find a bloodstock advisor locally, or do they typically bring their own people over? How does that how does that work at the Tattersall sale? It very much depends. I think um, you know, talking about Seth Klarman, they you know, they've worked so closely over the years with with Mike Ryan and Chad, and they they have kind of been the trailblazers in terms of coming over here themselves, and they have had you know incredible success. Um, with what they've bought and they they've really been you know our best advertising <laughs> in terms of getting right. people over um you know plenty of copycats on the plane and people who are doing you know doing just as well and and uh, you know we've got ben mcelroy comes over and, and does a great job buying for, for stone street there's some sort of some of the great you know some of the great american owners who who've had enormous success peter brandt um, and then agents like Liz Crow and Bradley Wiseboard um, have been coming over in, in, in recent years. So there's plenty of American action um, on the ground over here. We've also got American representatives, um, Lincoln Collins and Joe Kern, who work, um, Lincoln Collins and uh, Joe Miller, sorry, uh, who work for us in the US, who provide a wonderful link in for any Americans who are interested in um, interesting attending. They're, they're great in terms of um, of sorting everyone out with with any connections with agents that they might need so so there's a mixture some people do love to come over and and get the feet on the get their feet on the ground and others like to get some of the expertise of of um, the european agents who you know this is their bread and butter looking at these turf horses because it is a slightly different model um, as we know which um you know which which does does require i suspect a bit of a bit of a change of change of sort of eye from those people who've been looking at, at yearlings at keeneland for the last couple of weeks to come over come over to us 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, we'll see if Cheyenne Stables and Osara can be uh, can be the next and latest success story. That is a good point about all the money that the the, the, the second place finisher ended up taking in that Osara race. Sometimes you'll see that at Saratoga, especially on a big day, the the market they go overboard with certain runners, and you can and you can find betting value. And the other note I'd make is that you see certain stakes, and I've noted this over the years on the biggest days at Saratoga. You look at those maiden races on the undercard, and they can often be like maiden stakes because people want to win. You want you want to everybody wants to win every day at Saratoga. But if you've got a really good maiden, you know that might be your best chance to get into the uh, winner's circle on a day like Whitney Day or Travers Day. And you will sometimes see particularly strong maiden fields in the form of that race already, as you point out, working out very well. Before we move on from the Natalma. I did want to bring you in to give some insight just on the bloodlines. This horse is a homebred, but just on the bloodlines of Dazzling Star, the Godolphin homebred. There's this wild stat about Charlie Appleby, specifically at Woodbine. His last seven grade ones he's entered at Woodbine, he's won them all. (laughs) So he's going for an eight-timer here in the Natama with Dazzling Star. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on, you know, either the, the, these bloodlines is a very interesting blue point, um, Dubawi cross, or, you know, the Appleby success in general. Take Answer the question any direction you'd like. It's just, you know, when you put it like that, it is extraordinary. He, you know, how any trainer gets that record at a racetrack is, is, is almost unbelievable. Um, I think I was looking at it was 2018 or something when he last had a horse beaten at Woodbine, which is, you know, it feels like a different era pre-COVID, etc. But um, he is just just a brilliant trainer. It's fair to say he probably hasn't had his best season in Europe. I don't think I would yeah. be the only person to say that. Um, but again, his moderate season is probably most trainers, you know, best. He set the bar so high. He has, um, you know, been been a record breaking, um, record breaker in so many ways. But um, it, it, you know, whether whether this filly um, is on pedigree, as you said, she's by Blue Point, who's a sprinter um, out of a Dubawi mare, who's obviously a great influence for stamina. So you wouldn't be sure in her her pedigree that that she will get um, get the distance. She's made her starts in the UK over six uh, six furlongs, I think. So she'll be stepping up quite considerably. And as you said, it's a more galloping track than perhaps a lot of those uh, those tight American uh, sort of turning tracks are. So it'll be interesting to see um, see how she handles both the step up and distance. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if she was um, if she was the latest winner for Charlie Appleby. But there are a couple of question marks, I'd say, about his form and um and um, I will personally be very much hoping that Azara can um, can prove us and the market wrong and um, take the victory. If you take the Appleby dominance out of the equation and you just showed me this past performance cut, I would say this is a very nice filly, but it looks like she might have got a little bit exposed stepping up into Group 3 company. I wouldn't be in a hurry to back. Now, granted, Group 3, to win a Group 3 over there or run really competitively in a Group 3, you're very much as a two-year-old going to be uh, uh, competitive in a race like this for the various reasons of the general quality of racing over there. But in this instance, I'm not so sure. And yet, you throw in the idea of yeah, absolutely could um, stay a mile, but it's not guaranteed. 
And, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they just bet this one off the boards like the race has already happened. So I think wherever you go other than her, you're going to be able to get a price. And would it shock me if at the end of the day it's Charlie Appleby kicking sand in my face and and, uh, (laughs) walking to the winner's circle? No, it would not. But that is still the way I'm going to try to approach this with Ozara being being the best result. If folks want to read my runner by runner comments, you can go to attheraces.com. I've actually got pieces on all three of these races getting into the merits of, of, of each one of these. So we'll check that out. That's also going to be in our free uh, In The Money Media newsletter, inthemoneypodcast.com slash email to get that. I do want to talk to you about one more race, though, the big one, the race that, uh, get, well, it used to give the day its name. I love this rebranding of I love the idea of having a Canadian Champions Day along the line of uh, Irish and, and English Champions Day. But we used to just call it Woodbine Mile Day. And this is one where I will not be opposing Mr. <laughs> Apple. Master of the Seas to me just looks too strong. Um, any any effort near what we saw at Ascot uh, back in, in July, I feel like is going to is going to. You know, basically have this field over a barrel. What what have you? What have been your impressions of Master of the Seas throughout his racing days? Absolutely. I mean, his Ascot run um, in July and this summer was just one of those performances that really takes your breath away. He uh, beat a horse called Aldari by four lengths, you know, pretty effortlessly. And Aldari would be a pretty good yardstick in in the UK. I think he's rated 116. So that sort of level of performance tells you a lot uh, a lot about the form that this horse is. And despite um, you know, despite any any question marks over Charlie Appleby's form this season, this horse um, you know put up a serious performance in Ascot, and and he's a very high class horse. He was um, you know second, beaten a short head in the Guineas by um, by uh, you know uh, what was regarded as very good Guineas as well. So you know he he is. Um, he he would would be regarded as being you know a, a very top turf horse over here, um, and usually that that kind of form is good enough to to win this race. And I agree very much about um, Canadian Champions Day. I mean, it's such a it's a, a country with an amazing racing history. So I, I'm very pro getting getting something that <laughs> that highlights um, you know highlights the best of Canadian racing like this. That's one of my favorite stories. We we always check in with with Jim Lawson, the CEO of Woodbine, ahead of these big weeks, and him telling us the story years ago of one of the she came over a few times, but one of the Queen Elizabeth uh, trips over to see the then Queen's Plate, and and you know they're in conversation, and all she wanted to talk about was Northern Dancer. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> Northern Dancer's great Canadian bread and his influence on the on the the breed globally. Oh, that's that's. A pretty cool story that I think illustrates uh, Canada's importance and, and legacy when it comes to thoroughbred racing. A hundred percent, and doesn't surprise me at all. Um, it sounds like just the just the type of thing she would have been really um, really focused on to, on any trip. I think racing was always um, you know a wonderful extra if she could link it in. So um, yeah, I, I would be despite um, despite anything I've said about Charlie. This does um, Charlie Appleby's form. This looks like a, a, a sort of penalty kick, really. In terms of the the American horses, you'd know better of the level of their form, but but his form in in the UK is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, if for some reason I mean, we did see in Dubai, you know, coming that granted that was coming back in three weeks and maybe was a little quick and obviously wasn't the top form master of the seas. But when a horse is thrown in an off par race like that, it's not that hard to imagine something like that happening. I suppose, uh, and if that were to happen. 
I wonder if a runner like War Bomber wouldn't just end up getting a getting an absolutely perfect trip in behind. If I were to go in another direction, that might be how I'd lean. Cheryl Spite is such a cool horse, but I just have a feeling um, might just be might just be right, continuing to race into shape here for some later targets in the fall. I'm not sure Cheryl Spite's going to be ready to fire the best shot. Jeff Bratt made the great point about really all of Cheryl Spite's best races have come down south in the USA. It doesn't really seem to love this uh, this galloping Woodbine course. And then the the Cassie runners, the two late runners, I mean, I suppose either of them could uh, could – get on the board or, or threaten with the right kind of trip. And I'm imagining that my sea cottage is one that's in there more to set the pace for those other two. I'm not sure how serious of a, of a contender that one is. So I'm really looking for it to be, to resume. Maybe we'll have a one race blip and then we'll get right back to the Appleby uh, winning streak with master of the seas in the Woodbine mile. Any other thoughts on any of these races or anything else to chat about ahead of the upcoming sale, Chloe? No, I think I think we kind of covered it, but um, yeah, I just I it's, it feels like every year we get to September, and I don't know where the year has gone. It feels like you know, flight line was running past the line in the Breeders' Cup yesterday, and now we are, you know, now we're what seven weeks out. So um, yeah, it's it's gone extraordinarily quickly, but there'll be hopefully some um, some great storylines for tassels in this year's Breeders' Cup. Um, let alone if Azara does does the um, does the magic today, and then um, heads there, we'll have some some of our favourites in Italian as a real. Uh, I, I don't think I'm the only person who has a real soft spot for that filly. I think she's the highest rated turf filly in the US at the moment, and that you know knows defeat of the Diana last time uh, was just well it broke my heart anyway but um, she'll be there sort of bearing the flag for us along with hopefully some horses like Anna Set, who I think is I think she's also the highest rated uh, three-year-old turf fill in the US so we've got some sure. we've got some really exciting horses heading into that um, and I'm very much very much hoping we'll have some some of these two-year-olds coming through to join them. We're going to be prevailing on your expertise before then to get your thoughts on these runners. You know, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know if it'll be a Tattersall's grad or not, but I wouldn't be shocked if somebody decides to take a, a swing at the classic on dirt from overseas this year, just because it does look so open. That will be an interesting storyline to maybe uh, take a look at as well. But we've got, we do have, we do have time, not a ton of time. What is it? We got about, is it about eight weeks till the Breeders' Cup? We're going to be covering it in and out and forwards and back on these airwaves. And folks have come to know that you can rely on us, especially for great info about these European shippers. You know, Vanessa Ryle going to be part of the team. Mike Adolfson, obviously, will be back with us. And Chloe, we'd love to have you back again to chat more about all this stuff. Well, fantastic. I would love to join you again. Thank you very much for having me. And um, fingers crossed for this evening. Folks looking to learn more about the Tattersall sale, what's the best place for them to go and check it out? Is there social media, web web presence? What would you, where would you point? Them? Absolutely. Oh, well, I straight to our website. That's always the easiest one. But we've got, um, we've got, you know, social media. Right? We're, all of those, um, you can find us. Find us on all the usual platforms. But, but most importantly, I would always say that picking up a phone and just giving us a ring, you can get in touch with Lincoln um, or Joe, as I said, in the US, or or with us in in England. And we are always very happy to help with any questions, um, you know, or advice anyone wants about about the possibility of joining us at our sales. 
Great stuff. Chloe, thank you so much. Thanks to you and the team at Tattersalls. Thanks to everybody for listening to these shows. Really appreciate how fun it is walking around these tracks and getting to meet uh, listeners and people who enjoy our content. It means the world to me. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. I'll do, I'll do the sales close instead of the racing close for this one. I'm going to say, may the hammer drop your way. <laughs>